Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I invite you to join me as we explore what it looks like to choose joy in the messy middle while embracing the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take to find joy in your every day. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 272 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the show, I'm really honored to be joined by Blake D. Bauer, and he is the author of the international best-selling book, You Were Not Born to Suffer. I'm really honored to have him on this week, and I think you're going to love this conversation because it's so interesting that the themes of initiation, struggle, and hardship as a path of knowing yourself and finding your own purpose really weave through this conversation in a meaningful way. And I cannot wait to share this with you. Before we get to the show, I want to give you all a very warm welcome and say thank you so much for tuning in today and always here on Jumpstart Your Joy. If you're new to the show, Jumpstart Your Joy started in 2015 and it is now in its sixth season where we are looking at the theme of finding joy in the messy middle. And so that's something that I'm asking every guest about and also exploring how that's playing out in my own life. If you want to hear more about the messy middle, be sure and take a listen to the season six opener, which is episode 267. I will link up to that in the show notes. And then last week's episode as well was all about joy and courage in the messy middle. And yes, I talked about Battlestar Galactica. If you want to find out more about the show, you can find everything you need to know over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And for the show notes for this episode, where I will link to Blake's book and all of the information that he shares, you can find that at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash episode 272. And while you're on the website, I really hope that you will take a moment to sign up for three joyful things, which is my newsletter. Now, I'm so excited to have Blake on the show this week. In addition to being a best selling author, Blake teaches various forms of mindfulness, meditation, and yoga. And he has worked with thousands of people all around the world who could not find lasting solutions from conventional medicine, psychiatry, or religion. I love that our interview focuses on the current state of affairs and around the question of how we can remain centered and find joy in the messy middle. Blake and I have both had our own experiences with hard times, and we both bring an interesting lens on what it means to own your past and work through the places where you were stuck to find joy and purpose on the other side. I think you're really going to love what Blake has to say about how to find joy in the messy middle. Let's get on to the interview. Welcome to the show, Blake Bauer. Hi, Paula. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. The first question that I like to ask everyone is, would you tell us what you loved most as a child or in school? What were your earliest sparks of joy? What a wonderful question. I have always been somewhat of a lover. And I think I had my first crush and girlfriend when I was in kindergarten or five. So I can remember my my crushes being a, a part of my joy. And I would say sports as a young boy. I really loved playing sports. I liked to just have fun. And I always loved animals. So I loved, we had a dog and I just absolutely loved animals. I've always loved dogs and I love all kinds of animals. So those three things pop into my head. That is excellent. It's interesting because no one's brought up 
their first love before in this question. And I love that. It's interesting because there's probably a set of memories too that go with that person and that time and being on a school bus or not, or whatever it was that you remember of that time. That's very interesting. Thank you. So you have a very interesting background and your book is amazing. I don't know if you want to walk us through what led to your own I know in other interviews, you've talked about how people go through an initiation into adulthood or a wider awakening. And would you share what your journey was like into that? I think that's a wonderful way of phrasing it because we don't talk about it often enough, I think, in terms of initiation. And in our developed Western culture today in the time and place we live in, we don't have a lot of healthy forms of initiation I will go back to my story in one second, but I was just thinking as you were talking was that even what we're going through right now collectively with COVID is like this cultural initiation because we've had, because of the industrial revolution and all the advancements in technology over the last, let's say hundred years, we're as human beings, we like to make our lives comfortable and easier for ourselves. And we've succeeded in a lot of ways, but then this, what we've all been going through this year has it's reminiscent of what older generations went through with the depression and wars and things like that, where even, you know, I talked to my parents and other generations and, and they, they feel this, they've never seen anything like this. And, and these are people who have seen depressions and wars. So the combination of everything we're going through is an initiation that I think is very challenging for everybody, but also unlocking people's strength and their true nature. And so going back to my initiation, my initial big initiation was just, I grew up in a dysfunctional family, like a lot of people with uh, parents who never learned how to love themselves and who didn't have very healthy relationships themselves and very healthy habits. And so that those were big influences in my life. And then as a young man, I got heavily into drugs and alcohol uh, as a way of surviving socially, as a way of numbing my own mental and emotional pain that I didn't know how to talk about or address. And I got heavily into drugs and alcohol to the point where I was getting high every day, often throughout the day. Uh, I was selling different drugs uh, like cannabis and pharmaceutical pills and really became quite self-destructive. And I also played sports growing up, going back to the childhood question. And I played American football and became a captain of the varsity football team when I was a senior and with two of my best friends. And one night I was coming home from a party where I had taken a couple pills, uh, Xanax and smoked a, a lot of marijuana and had been drinking a lot and then driving. And I got to a freight train in the middle of the night at three o'clock in the morning and was so tired and delirious. I put my car in park while the train was passing and I fell asleep and I woke up to police knocking on the window. I rolled down the window and I said to the officer, they quoted on the ticket that I had said, excuse me, officer, was I driving too slow? And meanwhile, I had been parked there for over an hour and someone who lived near the train tracks had seen this car running with the lights on parked right in front of the train tracks and so called the police. So I was arrested for driving under the influence. I had all of those substances with me in the car. I was obviously a very smart in those reckless teenage years. And that this was the beginning of my initiation because that arrest was very bad. And then my coach found out for football, he kicked me off the team to make an example out of me, told me I had to step down as captain and tell my best friends I wasn't 
fit to represent them. And then I had offers to play in college sports and I got, I lost all of that. And so I was ashamed. So very ashamed of myself, shamed in my community. Everybody I knew, knew what had happened. My girlfriend and family, my friends, families, like just every, and so I just felt really horrible about myself. And I basically spiraled into a suicidal depression during that time where I was waking up every morning, just really not wanting to be here, feeling very tortured mentally and emotionally, feeling very insecure, lost, confused. And then that was at this 17, 18 year old point where I then also felt the weight of the world on me in terms of what am I going to do with my life? Do I go to work? Do I go to school? What do I study? Is life just about making money? Is money the key to happiness and success and being loved? And I'm 17, 18, coming off of extreme drug and alcohol addiction, asking all these existential questions. Is there a God? Do I have a purpose in life? And my friends all seemed to be coasting okay, like they were just going to go to college or go to work, and they seemed to just be okay, whereas I was not okay, but I didn't know how to ask for help, and I didn't even know how to articulate what I was going through, and I didn't have people in my life I really felt like I could go to that I could depend on with this part of myself. I basically moved forward from the age of 18 just wanting to answer two questions, which were, how do I free myself from this pain and suffering? And what's the purpose of my life? And so literally everything I did from 18 on was in the spirit of answering those two questions. And everybody thought I was crazy. You know, I stopped drinking. I stopped getting high. I stopped socializing. I started reading book after book after book. I started eating really healthy, taking all these vitamins. And everybody just thought, what's going on with Blake? Like, he's kind of weird now. And so that journey, just to, this is the abridged version, but that journey led me to five different universities where I studied psychology, nutritional medicine, all the sciences. I, I then went on to study uh, traditional Chinese medicine, so acupuncture and oriental medicine, so Chinese herbal medicine. I studied Western herbal medicine. And then I was also working in those fields while I was studying, worked for a Chinese medical doctor who you know, was an acupuncturist, an herbalist, an oncologist, sold vitamins to pay my bills and learned about the supplement world. And so that journey was really my healing journey and personal development journey. And if you believe we have a spiritual journey, my spiritual journey. And so I was healing myself, finding myself and trying to understand my purpose. And after years of doing that, that led me to some insights where I realized that everything I did on my healing, educational, personal development, spiritual journey was really me just learning how to love myself. And I was really just looking for love. I was looking for the love I never got as a child. And I was looking for the love I never learned how to give myself. And I realized that like most people, I had learned to hurt myself to get love from other people, to be accepted to be approved of, to not be alone, to not be abused, to not be an outcast, to feel like I belong. I learned to hurt myself and let myself get hurt to survive. And then from all my training, I could actually see how disease and depression develop in the body as a result of us never learning how to love ourselves as children. And so I very naively, when I realized this, I just wanted to tell as many people as I could. And that's where the idea for my book came. And I had no idea what publishing a book, 
entailed and the, the, the challenges that would come with deciding I wanted to do that. And so that was another big chapter. But so that's kind of, that was the initiation that, that put me on this path to then one day just wanting to share with other people what I was so desperate to understand and had so much trouble finding clear, practical answers for. Thank you for all of that. I mean, it's it's amazing because I can see and probably a lot of listeners can see their own journey of where it was that maybe they faced some sort of, if we can call it an initiation or some big thing that happens in their lives and they don't know what to do with it. And it, it also strikes me, maybe there's more than one. I think we all have, if we've had one, we're, like you said earlier, probably having another one now because this is not easy and none of us walked into 2020 knowing what would happen or maybe prepared for what would happen. I do love how you said that you were looking for ways to love yourself and how to do that. And that was one of your earliest sparks of joy too. I love seeing how these things often play through for people and also how digging in and getting deeply curious about what was painful becomes the path to unlocking your own purpose and your own passion and, and excitement here. I don't, I don't know if there are any of those other little bits that you'd like to reflect on. No, I just love the frame the conversation in terms of initiation, because I think that's a really wonderful concept that we've lost touch with. And in our culture, we have all these really self-destructive ways of initiation, like getting you know high, drinking, partying, getting in trouble with the law. And then a lot of people like getting married or having children is their initiation and then they later find out who they really are and realize that they made decisions from a place where they had no idea who they were. And I think that's the key is that cultures that had initiation at a young age that challenged you and tested you to figure, to find who you are, to find that strength, then helped you make decisions in your early adulthood that reflected and were aligned with your true nature, as opposed to making these big decisions that then later they help you figure out who you are. And then you're like, oh, I have spent X amount of years in a marriage or a job and neither of them reflect who I am. And this is a very common theme because we don't have healthy forms of initiation at a younger age. Yes. Yes. And I think that's also a lot of where even the idea of Jumpstart Your Joy had its own birth, which was interestingly, <laughs> out of the birth of my own son, which was very difficult. And after which I was diagnosed with PTSD because I didn't know how to process what had happened. And that was one of my initiations into, I know something that my current state at that point was no, was not acceptable to me because I was born as a happy person and I knew I had to find my way through it. And so uh, not easy <laughs> and also a deep reconnection with, okay, I feel like joy was calling to me something outside of myself. And that's how I define it. But how do we find that nugget? And I feel like that's probably what was calling in a similar way. Your language will be different, but like it was calling you forth. And, and the book was one way. How do we work through an initiation like the one we're in globally and don't know necessarily what to do with? I think having safe containers to talk vulnerably is a really important one. So yeah. having a friend, a family member, a therapist, some kind of helping professional that is a safe place for you is really important. So I encourage anybody who's listening to seek out people you can talk to and not keep it in 
we're not meant to suffer alone and everybody's going through stuff and can relate. And so there's no uh, shame in struggling. And that's a big block for a lot of people. I think just talking about open up, find a therapist, find a healer, some kind of health professional. If you don't feel safe with a family member or a friend, you got to go talk to someone. And now there's a lot of telemedicine. And then another important one is finding whatever your quote unquote medicine is that makes you feel good and brings you joy and brings you well-being. So I think everybody needs some time and space to themselves, especially during the period where you're not leaving the house as much. So you need a half hour to an hour minimum to get out, get some fresh air, take a walk, or just be away from other people as well. So you just have time to think and feel for yourself and then time to do whatever brings you joy. So that could be some exercise. It could be listening to a podcast or music. It could be um, reading a book. It could be uh, taking a bath. It could be taking an online course, just something that nourishes you and fills you up. Those are the first two that really come to mind that are really important right now. And then easy to do. They're not grand. They're, they're, yeah. You can find a way. Yeah. I like the not grand because we're not in a space where we can do a lot of the things that we're used to doing that maybe bring us joy. And I think that's part of the free fall for so many of us is that we're in a space where we can't go to a movie, which is a great way to escape if that's what you're used to. Or like we're, we're having to go back to the basics of what do we like? What do we feel connection in? And I often recommend, you know, what were your earliest sparks of joy? I bet there's a version of that you could do right now that would bring you further connection with other people or nature or animals or <laughs> sports, maybe video games. And I think there's something about getting out and moving as well. I, I know in other places you've talked about, what is it, stuck blood and stuck energy and being stuck. Do you want to talk about that and like how to maybe move some of the stuck emotions? Because I think we're all part of this feels like, meaning sitting with COVID feels like we're stuck with some of our old stuff <laughs> and maybe it's coming right. up in a new way. 100%. So there's about three primary ways I'll talk about getting unstuck here. And I'll start with what you were just talking about, exercise or walking, for example. It's so important. We got to move our blood and we got to move our energy. From an objective kind of bird's eye perspective, I look at a lot of disease and depression as stuck blood, stuck energy, and stuck emotion in the body, which is quite factual in terms of what causes disease inside the body and the mind or the subconscious mind. And so exercise, it's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And there's this cyclical relationship. So exercise, moving your blood and your energy helps move everything inside particularly your emotions and your thoughts. And if you believe in your spirit or your soul, it also moves your spirit and your soul by walking, running, any kind of exercise that you like will move your energy, move your blood, move your emotions. But then the harder part, which is the more important part to talk about is expressing your emotions. You've got to talk to someone about what you're experiencing because whenever we internalize what we feel or need or want, we make ourselves sick basically. And so that's really the root cause of our stuckness or the blocks that we feel and experience are where we're stuck inside and where we're stuck inside are primarily two things. One is the emotions that we're not expressing because of fear or guilt or shame or insecurity. We feel it and then we stop ourselves from expressing it because we're scared or we're insecure 
or we feel guilty for feeling how we feel, or we feel ashamed of our feelings. So then we shove it and that makes us sick and, and depressed. And then the other thing that does the same thing is your negative thoughts. So if you let your thinking run unchecked into all these dark alleys, into all these negative toxic pathways, that's also going to make you feel stuck. That's why meditation is so important. So you start to gain some perspective in terms of connecting more to the awareness and the consciousness that is behind your thinking, which is the part of you that can say, oh, I was just thinking about my mother, or I was just thinking about my children, or I was just lost in thought about money or what to make for dinner, or there's this part of you that's aware when you're lost in thought. And that part of you that's aware is the part that we need to cultivate more of a connection to, because that's the part of you that's going to say, I'm thinking about this in such a negative way, or this way of thinking is not serving me anymore, or it's keeping me stuck. We keep ourselves stuck by our limited and negative and unhealthy thought patterns that we get so caught up with and identified with that there's no space in our head. So we don't realize there's this other part of us that can say, oh, you know what? I don't really like thinking about things like that. I can think about them in this way because it's healthier. It feels better. I'm solution oriented. To touch on exercise, it's more of an outside in approach. You know, let's move the blood and the energy which then helps you move your thoughts and emotions. But that can never substitute getting in touch with what you feel and need and want, learning how to communicate it in a kind, honest way every day, and then to taking care of your mind and yeah. watching your negative thinking. And so when you do those three things, you're not going to feel as stuck. You're going to feel better because you're not, you're not holding in all this stuff. I know one of the things that after my own path, and then I got certified as a life coach was really spending some time of noticing even where the negative thoughts pop up and where I'm ruminating on something that's just negative and I have no control over. And, and I think learning, like you said, working with somebody, um, whoever that might be, just to acknowledge that you have that kind of activity in your brain. And find a way to let go of it and surrender to sometimes we don't know what's happening and that's okay too. And it doesn't mean it's bad. I think there's something interesting going on with the current times of how we're in this cycle of fear and overwhelm. I don't know if you have any little tips or tools on like, how do we catch ourselves in that moment? If we know that we want to focus on the good, how do we do that? So I'm going to come back to some other practical tools, but I decided, but what I'd like to reinforce is what we were just talking about, those habits of when you're not expressing what you feel and need and want on a daily basis, the symptom of that is you're going to be overwhelmed on a regular basis because you've got all this stuff inside that's overwhelming you from the past that you're not getting out from yesterday from the day before, from the week before, from the decade before, you know, depending on how far back this goes. And then so today in the present, you, it's hard to face the day and respond to stress in the present because of all the unresolved stuff from the past. It has to come out. So that's one thing. And then going back off the theme of your mind, taking care of your mind, I think the most practical thing that anybody can learn and the most powerful thing anybody can learn is a simple deep breathing meditation and to do it 10 minutes in the morning, first thing in the morning. And the reason why I advocate for that is because when you wake up in the morning, 
And we all know those thoughts are active either before you open your eyes or as, as soon as you open your eyes and you might look at your phone and everything's off to the races. And, and most people sp feel very spread thin and stressed and fragmented before they even get out of bed because their thoughts are all over the place. And what we don't realize is that the thoughts we think in the morning shape and create our day. So when you do just 10 minutes of deep breathing meditation first thing in the morning and you don't let yourself get lost in those thoughts and you don't chase after them, meaning you don't get out of bed and just start reactively doing things based on these overwhelming thoughts, you're going to be more centered. You're going to harness and focus your energy. And that means you're going to face every situation, every person with a bit more space inside of you, a bit more peace, a bit more clarity, which will prevent you from getting overwhelmed. Then when more stuff comes up throughout the day, you're already at your edge. So anything that challenges you is going to push you over your edge. So you're going to react, you're going to snap, you're not going to be tolerant. And then having this morning practice will change things drastically. And then coming back full circle to what we touched on earlier, and when you practice this daily, you get so good at it that you won't give your peace to anything or anyone. You, you realize it's just not worth it. I was delighted to find, and, and maybe people would find this in some place near them, if they're open back up, but there's a retreat center near me that will let people come and just use one of their rooms for the day. <laughs> so Wonderful. I'm up there. I'm going to be up there once a week. <laughs> give me that space and the intentional space and the mindful space of this is for me and I'm going to get some work done here and I can go walk a labyrinth if I want to. And I really love what you said about things always leaning towards chaos because well, we can get ourselves in a little bit more of a proactive space and not the reactive space, then we can set up uh, a place that probably feels a little more comfortable than just being reactive and pulled each way as things come up. And that, oh, that yeah. comes back to that theme that we all face on our personal growth and spiritual path, which is letting go of control because you can't control everything. So you, it's like you try and control the environment, but you can't control the wind and things are going to come blow things off your table metaphorically and things are going to happen. And so you, it's better to make the focus your center so that no matter what kind of wind comes your way that you don't get blown over and that's really the key focus it's not trying to control everything and everyone because you'll just anxiously burn out which is what we do trying to control everything you know yeah, yeah. well and and knowing that in the reality of our world right now maybe this covid time is also the biggest education we've ever had and you know, we kind of have to let go of this idea that we can control things and that impermanence is the, the law of the land or the law of the universe even. Absolutely. Yeah. In season six, and I'm talking about how we find joy in the messy middle. I would argue we're in the messy middle right now. You've talked a little bit and or a lot about some of the ways that we can get present with ourselves and get out of overwhelm and fear. And is there a way that you've seen that kind of pushes it past that into finding joy in this space? Absolutely. I think one thing that's important to touch on is that I think a lot of people don't even know what brings them joy because they grew up just trying to please 
you know, everybody, mom and dad, or be a good boy or a good girl, or they were rebelling one side or the other. And so often a mother who's used to looking after everybody else might say, I don't even know what brings me joy for myself or what makes me happy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes men, it's the same theme. They're either trying to be a provider or they're just like a guy's guy. So they're afraid of being too vulnerable and trying something that like, you know, a guy might be scared to try painting (laughs) or dance because he's afraid he judges himself and he's afraid other people will judge him. It's really important to just go try anything that you're curious about, anything. Mm -hmm. And there's no harm done. You can take a class on writing or a class on painting or pottery or go take a dance class or there's just now on online, there's so many great classes you can take at every university. There's this website I love called themasterclass.com. So go try things. So for me, it's about go try anything that sparks your curiosity. Because in that curiosity, it's like going back to that being a child, that childhood wonder. Anything you wonder about, that's where joy is. A lot of times we stop ourselves because we're like, I don't even know what brings me joy. So why would I even try that? Because I don't know if I'm going to like it. But how are you going to know if you like it, if you don't go try it? And because we're just, it's our body is stuck. Our nervous system is stuck in our habits and our habitual behaviors. And so if your habitual behaviors are just only practical, just only survival, just people pleasing, just staying safe and in your comfort zone, so you're not judged or you don't fail. Well, these are all holding you back from just going to try one little thing that you might love. For example, you can make a list of things that you're curious about, like writing or painting or dancing or hiking, or just, it could be drawing. It could be anything that, that comes to mind and just give yourself permission to, to just explore it without the outcome mattering. You don't have to get somewhere with it. You don't have Mm -hmm. to make a living doing it. You don't have to pay the bills doing it. You don't have to, you know, prove something to your mother or your father or your partner. You know, it's just for you, your own curiosity. And, and that place of permission in your heart, in your mind is a very private place. And the truth is, is that no healer, no therapist, no religious leader, no holy person can give you permission. You're the only one on the entire planet that can give yourself permission to try something and to honor what you're feeling, to follow your instinct, to follow your intuition, only you. So stop, I'd say stop rejecting and silencing that voice and go follow that thread. My own path decided that improv would be fun (laughs) without really knowing the why. Yeah. Right now it might be a little bit hard, but when we can all interact together again. It's a good way because gosh, if that doesn't put you both in a little bit of a place of discomfort, because it's vulnerable as heck to just say the next thing that comes to your mind, but it also has some really great follow through with other things like conversations and trusting yourself and being a podcast host and all of that. But it, it to go back to what you said, like it took that being really curious and saying, well, it sounds like it would be fun. And what could I just try and what's nearby? And yeah, but without there being an end thing, like there's no objective and that's so freeing. Right. Cause we all grew up with, okay, 
you want to try writing? Okay, but how are you going to make a living? A lot of us were just like shut down, you know, in terms of what brings us joy. And our parents and the adults in our life who came at us that way, they did that to themselves and their parents did that to them. So they don't know better. They're just, they're, they do mean the best for us. But a lot of people have been shut down along the way. That's not practical or you'll probably fail. How many people succeed? So there's all these negative beliefs and negative stories that stop people from even trying anything that could bring them some joy. And then the thought that you could actually make a living doing what you love sounds like insanity to a lot of people (laughs) for that reason. A lot of people. (laughs) But you can Mm -hmm. if you're devoted and you don't take no for an answer. Yeah, I mean, and that's also so important. I'm thinking that in your book, you reference the quote from John Lennon about saying he wanted to be happy when he grew up. And that was actually my answer as a child. I knew of the Beatles, but did not know he said that. <laughs> and it was funny that you'd get these looks like you want to be happy when you're like, you're doing that wrong. Like, that's not an answer. So I think, right. yeah, we did get a lot of conditioning through the years of what the right answer would be. And then for whatever reason, we also believe that that was the only answer. You can be happy and pay your bills. Is there anything you would like to add to this space that you feel like we haven't touched on before? The only thing that comes to mind is that if you don't value what you feel and need and want, no one else will. Mm -hmm. So we have to be the ones that say, I matter. My time on the planet matters. My heart matters. My feelings matter. My needs matter, my joy, my dreams, my calling matters because no one else can do that for us. And when you don't do that, when we don't do that, then we feel like nobody cares about us. We feel like nobody loves us. We feel like we don't matter. And our perception of life is all quite dark, but it's all coming from not knowing how to value ourselves and not knowing how to say, I matter, my feelings matter, my needs matter, my joy matters. And so- In the spirit of your show, we have to be the ones that say, my joy, my enjoyment of life on a daily basis matters. Even if everybody else around me is miserable, I have to set the example, especially if I don't have good examples around me. And it's challenging. But when you challenge the idea that you're a bad person for wanting to be happy, there is no, nowhere can it, does that hold up that there is anything wrong or bad, or evil, or sinful, with wanting to be a healthy, happy human being. And when you are a healthy, happy human being, because you say, my feelings, my needs, my desires, my health matters, then your cup is full and you give to other people without being resentful. And you're of benefit to the people in your life and to the world. And, you know, so it's, it's number one. And so everybody really needs to hear that because it's so, it's such a different narrative to what a lot of us are used to. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of us, and I know I have been in that space before, we almost get angry, angry and rage against this idea of, well, why, why don't people see what's important to me? Why don't people know what I need? Why don't people do nice things for me? And flipping that script over to, well, why don't I do nice things for me? And why don't I value and put forth the effort to the things that I love? I think you're very right that there's an immense amount of power in acknowledging it and also knowing you can do this for yourself. It doesn't need to be somebody else that says you're allowed to, or um, to know what you want, because that's not their job either. Most people are not mind readers. No. And 
two, we're all selfish, I believe. Mm-hmm. Even though we're generous and we're giving, we're selfless too. We're also selfish. And then a lot of that goes back to childhood wounds of not getting enough yeah. attention or love from our parents. So we look for it from other people yeah. because we didn't get it as a child and we never learned how to give it to ourselves. Right. And so when, when you learn to give it to yourself and you meet your needs and you go after what you, to, you, you want and what you desire and you express your feelings, then you get to this place where you're like, well, my relationship with myself is really healthy. So I don't want anybody in my life that doesn't meet me in that way. So because you're in a good place, then you attract people who are also in a good place and you won't settle for less because that's how I am. I like it. So if people are tuning in and they like to get in touch, how do people find you and work with you? Well, so the first thing I would recommend is just to go to Amazon and check out my book because it's very reasonable and it's very powerful and practical and will help clear out a lot of pain and set you free. So that's number one. The book is You Were Not Born to Suffer. And then my website is unconditional-selflove.com. And then I'm on uh, all the social media platforms. Wonderful. And I will link up to all those in the show notes. And last and most joyfully, would you share three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? So I think like coming back to meditation in the morning is, is number one, just 10 minutes. It's all you need, 10 minutes. So there really is no excuse for not taking 10 minutes. So even if you have to like lock yourself in the bathroom and buy some earplugs, like that's a solution I go to, you know, to get away, you, that's worth it. One thing that really helps me is when I pray for the people I love. So when I get out, get out of myself and I pray for my mother and I pray for my sister and I pray for my cousins and friends and people, it expands your energy and you're giving love. You're sending good juju out into the world, which is really healthy for you and for the environment. And I find that that creates so much space inside of me and space is there's, you can't have joy where there's no space. So you need that space inside of yourself. And so it's kind of like a fire that gets suffocated because there's no oxygen. You know, mm-hmm. you need space for that fire that, you know, to breathe. And then the thing I'll prompt people with is I'd say the one thing that brings me the most joy is when I go and I have a cup of coffee outside. So for me, sitting in the sun or sitting on a cool little street, having coffee, just like, thinking about whatever I want to think about, observing the world, whatever, that brings me so much joy more than anything. I've been lucky to travel the world teaching. I've had wonderful experiences, met interesting people, but nothing actually brings me more joy than just sitting down and having a coffee like outside somewhere. So it's all about the little things. So I would say to people, don't discount the little things because that's, it's, it's the little things that make up a life that are full of joy. It's not the big things. It's not a grand mission. It's not a grand purpose. It's not making a lot of money. It's not these big shiny things. It's not the big house, the car. It's not found in any of those things. Yeah. Mm, Yes. I fully agree. (laughs) Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate your insights and I've really enjoyed having you on. Thanks, Blake. Well, Paula, thank you so much. 
Blake, thank you so much for being on the show this week. It was such a treat to get to have this conversation with you. And I really love all that you had to say about how we can find our center and our purpose and what we can do to find joy in the messy middle during these times. If you are curious about finding Blake's book, You Were Not Born to Suffer, you can find it right there in the show notes for this episode, which are at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash episode 272. And you'll be able to link right on out to his website and his book. While you're on the website, I also invite you to be sure and sign up for my three joyful things newsletter where you'll get a behind the scenes sneak peek at the inspiration, intention and action that you can take based on this conversation. And I'm really excited to share that with you. I'm also really delighted to share that next week, I have a Thanksgiving special episode coming out for you, which is an interview with Marsha Flowers of Five Blessings Candle Works. She is an entrepreneur and an artisan candle maker. And my family and I used to visit her shop while my parents lived in Kansas City. We would go there every year during the Thanksgiving week. And so it's really special to revisit some of those memories and talk to Marsha about how she has built a business around candles and the unique scents and names that she comes up with for them. <laughs> so I sure hope you'll come on back next week as we talk about candles and Thanksgiving and new traditions for this year. That will be next week. I hope you'll come on back for that conversation. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.